Uh, hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie and I am joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we get around to Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress, the first domino in a long line that eventually led to me having to watch The Rise of Skywalker in a movie theater. So, uh, I, uh, I mentioned a couple, it's been like a month now since the, the John Wick 2 episode. And at the time, I was between two movies, which were uh, this one and John Wick 2, <laughs> which is kind of a widespread, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to do Kurosawa without Bark. So we're here. We're doing hey. it. I uh, I had it on the brain when Andor was airing because they made good Star Wars for the first time in a long time. And, uh, you know, well, we have this movie podcast, so I was like, I should probably watch the... Uh, very famous good movie that is often cited as the place where George Lucas got a lot of the ideas for Star Wars from. So, we watched it. I will recap it real quick. Uh, this movie, so we have sort of four main characters. We have two kind of like bumbling idiot type guys uh, who are uh, Tahe and Matashichi? Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, that the, was the two peasants who got caught up in yeah. the war. Yeah, they're they're basically two guys who went off. Uh, they like left their home to try and like get rich in a war, which seemed like a bad idea. Yeah, I think soldiers do all the time. <laughs> yeah, did not work. Uh, so now they they get tied up in a series of events in which they discover that uh, there is both a missing princess of the defeated uh, royal family of this this now-conquered region, uh, and there's a reward on her head, and there's also supposedly some hidden gold by this, this family. Uh, so, they eventually meet this guy who's just sort of a kind of a strange stoic dude who takes them to a hidden fortress where supposedly that family used to hide so they can look for the gold turns out he is the uh, former general of their army as he's a samurai and the princess is there hiding uh through a series of events they get our our two idiots get dragged along with uh general makabe and the princess they fight some people they do some some sneaking and some hiding. They're trying to get across the border so they can rebuild the clan from the other side. That's pretty much uh, it's pretty much the movie. So, um, this is what second Kurosawa we've done. We yeah, did we did Rashomon like it's been like two years now. Yeah, we've been we doing this for too long. Uh, <laughs> we did Rashomon and we have some carryover. From Rashomon as well, because yeah. the uh, the general is the bandit from Rashomon, and I believe the princess is the girl in Rashomon as well. Is she? I'm checking. Might the... be incorrect on that one. But I know, I know Toshiro Mifune is the is like in every I don't Kurosawa film. See Rashomon in uh, okay Bisuhara's credits, but yeah, no, it's not. I am incorrect yeah. on that. But anyways, uh, good movie, strange movie, in that it is structurally kind of 
uh, unique. They don't really make movies using this particular structure atlas these days. And in fact, the only uh, popular example I can think of that I've seen myself is, surprise, Star Wars. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going <laughs> to revisit that for a moment here. We're not just going to talk about Star Wars the whole time, I promise. But it is why I picked it. So I do I, I do think it's like interesting and significant that like this movie led in some strange way to the largest movie franchise in human history. I guess it's Marvel now, but at one point it was Star Wars. Anyways... Uh, so our, our kind of bumbling idiot peasant guys in some way are R2-D2 and C-3PO. And there's literally a moment at the start of the movie where you can see, it was like, oh, this is where he got this whole idea because they're kind of, there's like the tall skinny guy and there's the shorter guy and they're arguing about some stupid shit. And one of them is like being very like negative the whole time and i'm like oh this guy is just c-3po and then they split up and they go their own ways and then separately through strange coincidences all get captured by the same people and then end up in the same labor camp digging for gold together rejoined which is literally just like the first 20 minutes of star wars uh <laughs> yeah that's it, it is hilarious that like the ver the start of these movies are like <laughs> very very similar yeah that's kind of where the similarities end for me but i mean yeah from there the things get much more like broad in general but like the the first act of the two movies is like the same concept and it's very it's strange it works uh but i think there's a reason people don't do it most of the time because you kind of don't really get into the thing the movie is actually about in this case for like almost an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Star Wars picks up quicker than, than this well, movie they, does. Star Wars makes like R2 and C-3PO are like not very big characters in the first yeah. Star Wars. Like they're around and they have names, but uh, they're not nearly as inv involved in the plot as like the peasants are who like have like so many scenes you know they're like more than half the they're, movie, the, main they're the main yeah. characters of the film yeah they're I mean, that's like reading about it that was one of the things i saw that i couldn't i didn't really quite under i right, punched my microphone it was one of the things that i saw that i didn't really quite understand where it sounded like george lucas said that he took the inspiration of telling the story from the lowliest character's perspective but I feel like Star Wars isn't really told from C-3PO and R2-D2's perspective, while this is very much so told from the perspective of just the two peasants. Yeah, the yeah. thing about George Lucas is that he didn't know what he was doing. True. Uh, That's true. Maybe maybe his original cut had, like, it was more from C-3PO and R2-D2's perspective. And that's that why his, his wife had to step in and be like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> this is That is true, yeah. Because there's, there's so many stories about like how much the movie changed on the cutting room floor. I, I'm curious like how different the, the framing was in that regard. Yeah, because I don't even. We think, will never know, but because yeah, I, I think it doesn't even always work in like this movie, which like probably like these characters are, I, I guess, better people to be like the main characters than like 
R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> you can't have R2-D2 be the main character because he can't talk. You say that, but I've, I've seen uh, the the, uh, the Monster Hunter movie uh, uh. where one of the two characters do not speak the same language. <laughs> so one guy just can't... Like, one character speaks English, the other does not. So you Incredible. spend the entire movie with, like, two people who just can't communicate with each other I, mm. I guess i should clarify it doesn't like actually work but someone tried to do that yeah <laughs> and it's there helpful. are there are r2 episodes of the clone wars tv show too where you're, you're following r2 the whole time and you're like what i don't doesn't know what he's saying no oh it does not have subtitles they for should. r2 give us subtitles for r2 i want to know what he's talking about so I, I read, I've read a little bit more now into this whole thing about Star Wars. So yes, you're right. The original draft for A New Hope was very much so just this movie in space. That was then changed. It didn't include Luke or Han or anybody like that. So instead of doing it for A New Hope, it's what the basis for The Phantom Menace is instead. Oh my god, it's Jar Jar the Peasants. Jar Jar is the peasants. Beautiful. He's both peasants combined. <laughs> I can see it. You know what? Phantom Menace is actually a lot closer to this movie structurally now that yeah. you say that. They go get the the princess, the and queen. Smuggle her out. And smuggle her out and get oh my god. That's oh my god, the he... pod racing scene. And is having... the is the duel? Oh no! Wait, the pod racing scene. Wait, is no. The duel? There's literally just a about? duel at the end. There's of also those. A no, duel but that that's the, the fight. That's the that's the end of the movie, though. The the duel in the middle of the movie. I mean, I guess, but like, uh, just like structurally, just uh, uh, sure, listen. I know that, it doesn't make that much. I'd say the general isn't <laughs> isn't like. Anakin, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but no, the general okay, but is they... Obi-Wan. This, uh, this is upsetting to me oh, for no. some reason. <laughs> I also, know this is why we're it, here. The pod but... racing scene is cooler than the duel in this movie. The duel in this movie kind of sucked. <laughs> I didn't like it very much. I liked parts of it, but some of it was like kind of goofy i mean it's a spear duel which is goofy in it in and of itself like as soon as they started fighting each other with spears all i could think of was when we played the four honor beta and one of our (laughs) friends always played the damn spear character and would just stand there with the spear behind his back and fuck you up when you got close to him so annoying that was like I, I said it when me and Charlie were watching this. I was like, "Oh, the spear meta is fucked up. No one can like do anything. <laughs> Every, you, yeah. you just have to like both stand there and like look at each other for yeah. five minutes." But yeah, there were. It, it's funny because there were parts of the the duel that to me just felt so like flash over like function in a very Star Warsy way. 
Like there's one that one part where they start spinning them over their heads and they both keep just like ducking under them like <laughs> yeah. helicoptering it. I was like, this is literally when Anakin and Obi Wan are just whiffing at each other, standing still <laughs> in revenge of the Sith. I think may- maybe it just really goes to show how important uh, lightsabers being cool is to Star Wars being successful mm, yes yeah <laughs> if they were doing all that shit with just like random swords it would not be as interesting yeah the, i want the, the pretty lights yeah. the cool sounds the only like combat part of this movie that i thought like really was cool was uh the first time that the general like pulls a sword when they sort of like finally start to get caught and he just like immediately wrecks these like two or three dudes and then runs the other guy down on the horse. Yeah, when he like chases uh, which, him down that's Yeah. Like that was that was cool and was very like you know, it accomplished the thing of like, oh, this guy is much better at this than all of these grunts. Um it's, it's the scene of Han chasing the stormtroopers down the tunnel, but instead of having the badass duel at the end when he comes to all of the stormtroopers and ru- like Han runs away, but it's literally that scene. Yeah, but oh, then no. Obi-Wan is, is dueling Darth Vader. Yeah. That, the the middle, middle of this movie duel is literally in Star Wars. Yes. Uh, they do actually just do that, but he dies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And but, once again... They're really like standoffy and slow, right? But mm-hmm. it's with a lightsaber. So it's so <laughs> much more exciting. <laughs> does, Honestly, does though, the first time I saw this film, knowing like the Star Wars stuff, I, I was fully ready for the general just to like look up on the hill and like make eye contact with the princess and then just get killed for some fucking reason important <laughs> to the plot and like really be a shot for shot remake in Star Wars. But instead, we get the badass victory, and then him shaming him by not killing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally thought he was toast there. So, yeah, but he gained a friend. So, it no, worked out. <laughs> the real hidden fortress was the friends we made along the way. I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> the real it hidden really fortress burned was. down like forty minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's also true. I thought the Hidden Fortress was going to be the Death Star, but the Hidden Fortress was Tatooine. Alderaan? Uh, or, or is it Tatooine? Hmm. I guess that, it is well, Tatooine. Cause yeah, because it's... They get, yeah. yeah, they get... Uncle it's Owen both Tatooine and, and Alderaan. But we're not going to talk about Star Wars too much this episode. <laughs> Kurosawa is rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> Look, I will say this, though. All this film made me want to do is go and watch seven samurai again because that movie is so fucking good but it's like three and a half hours long yeah. but it's i do so i want to watch it at some point we, we need to have a, a movie night movie. for that one yeah i agree but yeah uh star wars aside which will probably come back up because we are nerds but i did enjoy the movie but will is right that there's probably a reason <laughs> that you do, most people don't generally make movies this way cuz there there's points where the the peasant guys get kind of grating and there's also points in the first half where it kind of like drags a little where like I'm like I, come on yeah get I, on with no, it <laughs> I do think that you can totally have a movie structured this way it's just you can't have 
the like if you're going to do that and have like two people along for the ride as like the important characters are just sort of picked up along the way uh you can't have them be like dumb and dumber <laughs> in there like you can't just yeah. have because it like they have almost that exact same dynamic as the leads in dumb do. and dumber it really <laughs> did yeah. that movie actually owes a lot to this one as well it was just <laughs> funny 50 enough. years yeah. before dumb and dumber yeah they just, are profoundly stupid <laughs> yeah incredibly dumb and also just like like goblin men just like the most like greedy <laughs> like to the point like self-destructively greedy people you've ever seen and like everyone else in the movie is just looking on on them with like complete disgust yeah <laughs> yep. just like who just are these guys <laughs> they're like monsters <laughs> compared to everyone else the part where the uh they have the fire festival which unfortunately because of that stupid documentary a couple years ago all i could think about was the that fire festival oh. <laughs> uh, every time they said fire festival but yeah, that stupid documentary uh, and that really good youtube video that some guy made about yes, of course those documentaries <laughs> some guy um which the fire festival seat is really good we'll, we'll come back to that but afterwards when they're like gathering up the gold and then they hear the the hunting horns in the woods and everybody runs off and they run like a good distance away and then these two are like no, we have to go back. <laughs> what yeah. if we missed some gold? <laughs> Which they did, but then that they're just like digging through a pile of ash while everybody else is sitting, you know, half a mile away in a trench. Like, what are they coming back? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> I don't know why they waited for them at that point, but I guess because they needed the gold. But there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's a. Uh... They're yeah, they're just like suicidally greedy the entire movie, and it yeah, mm -hmm. it does. I I think it's like supposed to be played for laughs a lot of the time, and that usually didn't get a laugh out of me, unfortunately, which isn't like ideal. It, it like became funny near the end just because of like how they just like never they never learn. Like I was laughing by the end because they just kept they just mm -hmm. kept doing it just the mm -hmm. same thing over and over again and i was like this is this is getting out of hand but yeah uh, a lot of the humor in the movie like did not land for me and i think that, like you know if these two characters were a little less wacky it would have like moved it would have worked a lot better <laughs> it is kind of it was it's definitely kind of a shocking juxtaposition of like you know general trying to protect princess of just like a completely devastated nation and then these two fucking idiots yeah so you have this like really serious storyline well that's gonna be a lot of really bad s's you have this really serious storyline and then you have these two dumbasses just constantly fucking up mm -hmm. like everything would have been fine of them getting across the river if those two guys hadn't tried to run off and then get the firing squad called on them <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the movie's like pretty goofy in a way that I did not expect. I think I found it more successful than Will for the most part. Uh, but yeah, there were times where I was like, this is this is a weird decision. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, like it is something that Kurosawa does in some of his films. Like Rashman didn't have it, because that's a very serious film. Mm -hmm. Um but like Seven Samurai has it, where 
the mm-hmm. plot for Seven Samurai was only supposed to be six, but then he felt he and the other writers felt that six like serious samurai protecting the village was going to be boring. So they got um, what's his name? Who's in all the movies that we were talking about earlier? Um, Toshiro to basically to basically be this alcoholic maniac samurai and just let him improvise half the shit he was doing on the screen. So you know how like the bandit in Rashman is just like screaming and laughing like that's him, yeah. but mm-hmm. in a serious samurai movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it didn't like it didn't bother me like that much that they weren't funny, but. They still, I mean, they kept trying to be funny and they weren't. And I feel like that is like going to yeah. be negative in the movie. <laughs> right. And it is, it was weird when it, like, they'll have a, a scene where it's like, oh, the general's sister, like, sacrificed herself to pretend to be like the princess to give them, like, a slightly better chance at escaping. And then it's like, wow, that's really heavy and sad. And we're going to have this, like, scene where the, like, princess, like, walks off to go cry alone in the woods and then right back to like dumb and dumber. <laughs> like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> A lot of whiplash there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff thematically in this movie where like, I think that there's like, what am I trying to say here? I think that he's getting at something with that framing because a lot of the, uh, what's going on in the movies. Like, so like you mentioned, the general's sister acts as a body double and it sacrifices herself. Uh, so that people think that the princess has already been caught Yeah, and it doesn't even buy them that much time. Yeah. Off screen. We never meet the character. Um, it doesn't even buy them that much time, but it's like a little bit, uh, <laughs> But, you know, the princess has this, like, very hostile reaction to this, which is, like, you shouldn't have done that, and, like, I wouldn't have asked her to do that and all this stuff. And there's sort of, like, several points throughout the movie where she's shown as this person who, like, is kind of the the antithesis of the, the conquerors that have killed the rest of her family, and she's, like, actually cares about her people. Uh, to some degree, yeah. right? She has a much more, like, modern sense of morality than everyone around her or like most people around her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then meanwhile you have like these two idiots being dumb and dumber, like you said, and it's like, these are the, the people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Like these are some yeah. of them. And she does like care about them too, to in, in some way or like grows to eventually in, you know, the end of the movie, they like, she sends them on their way with some gold. And it's like, you two, be friends now, no more fighting over this. And then they do. Uh, and at first I was watching this, I was like, this is kind of like a weird, like royalty is moral authority thing. Uh, but I don't know. I almost think I, at the time it's made, it's the, you know, late fifties. Right. I almost think it works as like a opposite of that. where like, you see the other side of, this kind of regime in this movie and you sort of know like no uh ruling nobility is ever actually like this yeah the uh the thing that i kept thinking about there's an article uh, i think it was who was it 
Gita Jackson, uh, there's they had a vice piece uh, when House of the Dragon and uh, what was the Lord of the Rings one? Rings of Power were both on TV um, about fantasy shows that have fantasy shows or movies or books or whatever that have like just rulers as sort of like a mythology, right? Which you see a lot in Lord of the Rings uh, and how it's, you know, it's daydreaming yeah. in a, in a way that fantasy is. And that's fun. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but you know, you, you read it and you're like, the world was never like this is the, the sort of repeated line throughout the piece, which I thought was really good of like, you know, there, there was no Aragorn. <laughs> there was, there was no good King at any point. Right. Yeah. Um, And there was no princess Yuki. So despite this being like a historical fiction piece in ways it almost reads like a fantasy one, but in a way that I think works yeah. with the sort of like occasional lightheartedness and goofiness of it, where it just, yeah. it is like know, a fantasy if... adventure feeling is the whole yeah. like vibe. It, and it is, I mean, I think there's no coincidence that a story like this is coming out like a little over a decade after the literal empire of Japan was broken up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it was, wait, or was it, it might've been, wait, is this 50 or is this there was 60s? 50, this was 58 when this came out. Yeah. Okay. It was a little yeah. over 10 years then. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, maybe he has some feelings about like royalty and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's like, I, I think on the one hand you could read the princess Yuki characters like, a nostalgia for old nobility and royalty or whatever but on the other i I, to me it came across as more just like daydreamy of like because all the other that said happened (laughs) instead yeah because they do have like all the other examples you know there's like you know other kingdoms or whatever i I don't know the exact word for like what you'd call like these i mean nations or groups or whatever they were essentially like clans yeah these other like clan and like even but even members of her own clan are like extremely like stuck in like older ways right her whole like mm-hmm. method of leadership is completely different you know like she uh seems to be like a a a good person to the point of like you were saying being like unrealistic uh especially given like her uh <laughs> the way she was raised right like mm-hmm. as nobility but uh uh, it ends up being the thing that like saves all of them at the end of the day. Like the her like words at the end are like what convinced that like other general to like save them, right? So mm-hmm. uh it definitely feels like a statement <laughs> and like a condemnation of the way things are done for like other like uh noble families. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. And like I could get having a different takeaway than that, but mm. that was mostly like what I was coming away with, and that I think helped me enjoy the movie to an extent. It does. It fe- it's very into. fantasy adventure in structure too. Yeah, I I definitely did not read into it that deep. Um, yeah, I more just I kind of just watched it as this piece of historic cinema that Kurosawa mm-hmm. has made. Um, I, I'm not saying that anybody's wrong for reading into it like that. I just, it's not how I watched the film. It's really not how I watch a lot of older films like this because I feel like it, 
it's difficult to read into these when you're looking at something that's based in like the 1500s. Uh, yeah. yeah that's right. I mean, I'm just guessing. I didn't think of this till like now until Charlie brought it up. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not wrong in any way. It's just, it's not how I've really ever watched these films. Yeah. It is. It's especially hard to do this with foreign films too. We're like, we're reading subtitles and we're not getting, you know, we're missing cultural references and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of like weird stuff that goes on where I'm like, have I, I don't know enough about like the history and like customs of like the time to know, like when that guy buys a horse from him, Mm -hmm. like when it's like they have their horses uh, that they're like hauling all the gold off with to uh, like cross the border. And then the guy, uh, some like random rich guy is like, I really want your horse. It's too good of a horse to like be, be a pack like horse, a pack horse. Yeah. And he buys it. And he basically like uh, doesn't even have to like not take no for an answer because the general just like does whatever he wants. And I'm like, okay, this feels like there's some like either the general is incredibly like smart and has the foresight to like know that they're looking for people with horses and is like changing up their mode of travel or he uh, but like they never they don't really allude to that they just kind of say they got Mm -hmm. lucky later in the movie so it's like is there like a some cultural thing where it would be like really not okay to tell this like rich man that you can't buy the horse or whatever you know like he's making this supposedly like generous offer Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wasn't th- like that scene confused me, and I was like, man, I, I would probably understand this if I like knew more about either Japan or the history of like this time. You know, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's also like it's not necessarily so much a he was planning ahead kind of thing. I think it's a in in the moment they're disguising themselves as woodcutters. They're staying yeah. in like a I don't like I don't even know what you kind of call that sort of like i mean it's almost a hostile kind of thing and i guess like yeah a cultural thing at the time though like really could have been a you know if you are poor like five pieces of silver is a lot of money i mean we saw five pieces of silver is enough to buy a human being yeah it'd be out of character to refuse yeah i guess you know like if a if a very rich man comes up to you and offers you like just an insane amount of wealth in for a horse, then you're going to take it. <laughs> yeah. It was um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about movies like this. <laughs> Weirdly, this came up when we watched the, the Norseman to, or the Northman, not, not the Norseman, the Northman. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the, uh, like how drastically different life was like the further you go back in time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. where, <laughs> Like, uh, we were talking about this when we watched the movie that, like, people were just getting kidnapped and, like, held at sword point and, like, turned in, like, turned into slaves, like, off and on constantly, apparently. They're just, like, there's just, like, random bands of soldiers walking around finding, like, the odd person on the street and being, like, well, you could maybe be an enemy command you are now working for us go dig a hole <laughs> like that could just happen to you out of nowhere constantly <laughs> like and, so like, many characters is... get like 
basically just like forced into slavery by other characters our heroes do it our heroes have it done to them it's just like how things were back then like might is right end of story Mm -hmm. i mean like the other thing too about this time period is like this is also where samurai weren't like necessarily soldiers for these families they were typically like was a Samurais were like mercenaries for the most part. They were just yeah. swords for hire. And so like that's what our two characters were trying to do. Because at the start of the film, they're talking about how they sold their houses to buy all of their equipment and then showed up to the war late. So the side they were fighting for attacked them instead. That's so fucking Which funny. is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but like, so you also could essentially conscript soldiers through slavery too. You yeah. know, and like it's it's like it's a horrible time period to live, but it's a very interesting time period. Yeah, <laughs> at the and, same and time. I and it's like I understand like, yeah, there are parts of the world world where like similar stuff is like still happening, right? But uh, but it yeah. like I don't know. I'm picturing just like a like a uh US military like operator type guy just like like walking around town <laughs> with like his gun <laughs> just like telling mm-hmm. people to do things and you're like well i guess we have to listen to this guy <laughs> guess i gotta dig a hole now yeah Honestly, well, i don't know why it's always that but <laughs> this is just baghdad in 2009 yeah i don't yeah, want to that... pick I'm, I'm not gonna make y'all do it back to back but i would love to pick seven samurai soon because like the whole kind of opening when they go to like the plot of Seven Samurai, they they're going to hire samurai to protect their village, but like when they go to the place where all the samurai hang out, it's they're literally just like what you think of a bunch of soldiers hanging out nowadays, where like they hang out in a bar, get drunk, and like make stupid bets with each other. It's all the samurai just hanging out and making bets about sword fights with each other, and sometimes just killing each other yeah. in the streets. That's <laughs> just Fort Bragg. There's <laughs> <laughs> much going on there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you show up. They're all <laughs> you, you enlist in the army. You go to Fort Bragg, and they're all in like samurai <laughs> like armor for some reason. <laughs> Seven samurai got a lot of structural stuff from westerns, right? Or do I have no, that the westerns other way got a lot of structural stuff from Seven That's Samurai? Right. Yeah, because the big western boom was like the next decade. Yeah, so. no, Seven Samurai was the early fifties, and then western boom was the sixties. Yeah. Like Magnificent. which is also where Lucas got some stuff. Yeah, like My man all... stealing. <laughs> yeah, no, Lucas has never had an original idea, and when he tried, he tried to write love stories, and it I all mean, fell apart. Star Wars is an original idea. It maybe it's is an original, an original storytelling. It's an original yeah. setting. Yeah, I think American Graffiti felt like I haven't really seen. Oh, yeah, much he did like do that. American Graffiti. I can't believe he made that movie. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird to compare it to like Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. It's so. It's fascinating. Anyways, there's a. Speaking of like the people getting conscripted, there's obviously a lot of like incredible shots in this movie. Uh, yeah, it looks great the whole time. Just yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. That's a obvious statement to make about a a Kurosawa film. But there's a couple that stick out to me partially because they looked really cool, and also partially because 
they would never be made that way anymore and i don't mean that in like a, they would replace it with cgi sense although they would they i would, mean that yeah. uh, the uh, <laughs> the safety people at the production company would never let you do this anymore <laughs> oh. uh one of which was the uh when they get captured at the very beginning of the movie and they're in the like the fort the castle digging for the gold and the you know all the captured pow's rise up and rebel and there's a part where you just have this like waterfall of humanity just like cascading down this staircase chasing the uh the guards with their guns away and it looks crazy and they literally yeah. I, they just there is no way to do this in 1958 other than get a couple hundred people and yep. have them run down a staircase. Like, yeah, and then just, set off some, and just start sending off so like blanks, just like have some explosions around them and tell yeah, some right. people to randomly fall down. <laughs> uh, yeah. It looks it looks unreal. It's an incredible shot. It's like my favorite shot of the movie, but I'm like, this is so dangerous. Yeah, that, so. Anything with a big group is, is like so good in this movie. Like that, mm-hmm. when the uh when the like enemy army is like walking through like the mist and they're like hiding out oh it's yeah just, yep. Killer. Uh, for some like all of the like there's so many shots in this movie with just like 50 to 100 people on screen yeah. <laughs> and they're all like they're, like the fire festival is great uh yeah. all of those scenes are like stand out to me the most probably the fire festival shots are unreal yeah it looks so good the other one that that stuck out in like a danger sense was the horse chase, where you just, you've got two guys yeah, just riding horses, <laughs> grabbing at each other. It's like, oh, this is this yeah, is a good. bad idea. Yep. <laughs> uh man, it I think that was think the of... only shot though that was done in one take. I was reading, yeah. I was reading something about this film that like almost every shot minus one or two required multiple takes. But I think that like the samurai horse chase one is the only scene they did in one take uh, i mean that's hard to do yeah it you know what it made me think of was uh the lord of the rings movies where the way that they did that they did have in those large numbers of extras but you know yeah. they didn't have they didn't, 10, they didn't have ten thousand guys <laughs> in orc costumes they had like 70 to 100 and then cgi duplicated them to create you know the the or Kai standing in front of Helm's Deep or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it looks so but, much better doing it that way than just yeah. doing straight CGI. Because uh-huh. yeah, you can have uh, your a, a character perhaps enter that crowd and touch people in it. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. isn't that neat? <laughs> yeah. The, the shot in particular it made me think of was another time they did this, which is... Pelador Fields in yes. Return of the King when the they have of the, Rohan. <laughs> yeah, the, when they have the Rohirrim charge, and it's like a hundred people on horses, most of whom Mostly are women, women, because yeah, it was like <laughs> New Zealand horse trainers that they recruited to be extras. So they're mostly women that they glued beards onto and had doing this horse charge in full armor. And I, I don't so know, I've watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff like this. Yeah, like it looks incredible, obviously, but they were like, we have like a limited number of takes to like really get this right in because it's already hard to have this many people in horses here. If we do it enough times, like something is going to go wrong and somebody is going to get hurt. 
Yeah, the horses like, are going to get like, tired. And, yeah, it's like, this is already, like, insanely hard to, like, line up and film with a helicopter and shit without spooking the horses. Like, we <laughs> we got to get this thing correct so that we can, you know, post-produce it. Yep. But, uh, anyways, they couldn't do that in 1958. Yeah, they just had to get a <laughs> guy with a, a camera and two people on horses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's probably, like, in a car or something. It's wild how steady the shots are, too, because, like, that scene on the horse, they're moving fast, and the shot yeah. is really steady. Yeah, they must have had the camera, like, I would love to see how they did this. There's probably something out there about how they did it, because, like, the two thoughts that I had is either they had a camera on a track, and they just, they had, you know, the guys running kind of the length of the track enough times to get all the shots they needed the other thought i had and i'm pretty sure this is wrong and not a real thing and very dangerous is horse treadmill <laughs> there's no way that they <laughs> you can't do that right what like from looney tunes where they have the scrolling background <laughs> yeah. no yeah, that's, that's exactly what i was thinking i was like i don't think that's what horse they did treadmill. but like but what if they did uh, that would uh, be incredible yeah i don't know how the treadmill like, steady cam wasn't invented until the 70s so I'm not it's quite a really sure, good track. I don't but know. Uh, it looks really good. I mean, Kurosawa is known for these like absurd techniques that nobody had used mm. yet. Yep. You know, another thing though, just speaking of like the filming techniques and Star Wars, the slide transitions. George Lucas yes. loves his goddamn slide transitions, and I blame this movie for it. That was yeah, the other thing at the start where I was like, this is R2 and C-3PO wandering in the desert, was they do the argument, they split up, and then it wipe transitions. And I was like, that literally is the exact yep. same shot. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what uh, movie gave me a similar feeling to like the prison break sequence? What? Uh, is the, the big crowd fight scene in rrr mm-hmm. that's one of the a few movies that's captured the same feeling to me <laughs> i was thinking the same thing because there's uh, parts of that where they have a lot of real people on screen yeah i mean there's a lot of cg as well but like i mean there are parts where there there's literally just like 20 guys all like grabbing at the main character so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it looks real enough to like evoke the same claustrophobia yeah we got a that- if we're doing long movie nights, we gotta have Park over and make him watch RRR again. <laughs> you gotta watch RRR. Yeah, I know. Park. I know. I it's so it, yeah. good. <laughs> I yeah, I would watch that movie again. It's so sick. What? Let me think. Parts of this film were shot on the slopes of Mount Fuji. That's so sick. That's awesome. <laughs> I oh, man, I wish that color film had existed or been available Uh, there's you know there's obviously like something special to old monochromatic stuff but i would love to see like a colorization of this movie just to see the the landscapes yeah like there were the shots when they were like looking out over uh whatever the enemy nation was yeah and it's just kind of like monotone (laughs) yeah but, I would have, I would have loved to to see that in color. It looks good in black and white, but I'd I'd love to see it in color. It is a shame that the Oscars ignored 
another movie that we're watching that the Oscars ignored because it's not American and the 50s. Classic. I don't know how good subtitling was back then. True. True. Who knows how the translation was? They probably didn't have one. Or if if that's true, yeah. Assuming I'm, I'm trying to think how 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 did like were there was there subtitling before like digital? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I I I think that it was done kind of just by like by manual i think it was just a guy done. like writing on the film yeah yeah <laughs> either writing on the film or layering like probably printed on but yeah, yeah that's funny it on. he's like has a little brush. hand writing it <laughs> he's got a little pencil yeah <laughs> he's uh, got a, a feather quill like it's fucking harry potter <laughs> all we have are these quills it's 1958 <laughs> <laughs> In 1999, Kurosawa was named Asian of the Century <laughs> by uh, a weird name for an award. <laughs> yeah. By who? Uh oh. <laughs> by American Asian Week, a magazine that is owned and published by CNN. Huh. Okay. Uh the <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Ted Turner, I guess. <laughs> oh my god. Interesting. That's certainly one of the names of an award that I have heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You did it. You're CNN's. <laughs> I... Never mind. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking bit from The Office or something. Kind of does. does. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That's special. Let me think. I uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to make sure we hit on for this movie. But we've covered Pretty much everything I wanted to talk about other than, like, shot by shot. Damn, that looked crazy, huh? Uh, we've hit we've hit my personal favorites. We could hit many more, but I don't, I don't have much more oh, input on them beyond, damn, if, that was crazy. If we don't have much more input, we could take, like, ten minutes and talk about the new Avatar now that we've all That's seen it. That's what I was thinking. Oh, I could, yeah. I could feel it in the oh. air that we all wanted to talk about Avatar to the this way is... of water. This is such a fucked up episode to do that on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> We're going to talk about We're Avatar gonna... 2 on a Kurosawa movie. <laughs> I disagree. On, okay, man. this is a part of movie history, even if it hurt my eyes a lot. The whole it time is, but oh god. Yeah, I guess right, like, fine, disclaimer, uh, Will and Charlie saw it in IMAX 3D, while I saw it in EMAX, which is just another company's version of IMAX, I really but not in 3D. I really should have caught it in Emax because IMAX 3D, uh, it, I thought, okay, I'd heard that seeing it in IMAX was good, but we could only find 3D IMAX in town. And I was like, surely James Cameron cares a lot about the way his movie looks, right? Like he, yep. that's like his whole thing. That's the selling point of the franchise is the way it looks. That's all anyone ever talks about, including us right now. And <laughs> I I was like, okay, 
We're going to see it in 3D. Haven't seen a 3D movie in like over five years. Uh, and it was the it was like the worst looking 3D I've ever seen. I don't know if it's the way they did the projection or what, but like every time they're in a small room, you could see little red outlines behind anything that they're trying to either add or remove like depth from. Uh, it hurt my eyes a little bit the whole time. It kind of felt like my eyes were like crossed uh, in those like tighter scenes. Uh, and it, uh, it pretty drastically hurt the entire viewing experience for me. Uh, even really unfortunate. Cause yeah. And I was, it was really frustrating too. Cause like there, there would be scenes where they weren't doing any 3d stuff and I'm like, Oh, this is gorgeous. It's great. (laughs) Right. Like it's a good looking movie when there's not all these like distractions. But like, if I'm like seeing double occasionally and like, things feel like just weird and out of focus it's a uh, it was bad i don't know if you had a similar experience with the 3d charlie but mine it, it fucked me up for pretty much the whole movie yeah i was like kind of lightheaded for the rest of the day <laughs> i would like get a head rush when i stood up i was physically exhausted by the end of this film <laughs> Same. it was draining on my eyes and i have like played path of exile for 12 hours in one day yeah. recently Our, we're good at looking at screens we do i'm all the so time. good at it <laughs> to, the, to the point where we're maybe we're too good at looking at screens because i could tell every time this movie changed frame rate which was often uh yeah <laughs> uh, that was, was weird well okay i mean i guess you, you don't know what you don't know so like maybe there are times where i didn't catch it but i caught it a lot of times when it would either it would like increase and then decrease the frame rate from what felt like I don't know the exact numbers, but it felt like it was going from twenty four to sixty, right? And uh, we have played enough video games where like that is an extremely apparent thing to us. I don't know how it feels to like a lay person, but I imagine they'd be able to see it too. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why they do that. It was weird every time. It didn't like look bad at a higher frame rate. It's just weird that it's like why is this. It's just Why jarring. It like, that, what, what, it takes you out of it. That wasn't nearly as noticeable in the non 3D. Interesting. Like it, it, there were times where I picked up on it, but it was not nearly as jarring as, and like that, that kind of makes sense that the 3D, any change in frame rate is going to be jarring. I mean, it's like putting on my VR headset, which isn't true 3D, but anytime that the frame rate dips, it is immediately noticeable. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it was weird and like that this isn't nearly as big of a deal to me as the 3d being bad right but yeah. it still is like what are we doing why would you do that <laughs> yeah I, I i would be curious to see like a full movie in high frame rate i never watched the the, the versions God. of the hobbit that yeah. were like 48 fps or whatever I, I did it was fun uh yeah it like basically does not matter to me and i know some people really yeah. hate it i don't i don't know why yeah, people are talking about getting fine. like sick in the movie theater watching the high frame yeah they're not real gamers yeah <laughs> yeah i have to imagine if you've like played a video game in the last five years like it's not gonna bother you yeah. if you like on like the you, novelty if you like play like a shooter on a console and you're like i feel sick then yeah maybe don't go for the higher frame rate stuff but like yeah. <laughs> um but yeah either way it was mostly just like jarring but it was yeah it wasn't as bad as the 3d stuff just every tight depth of field close-up shot looked like dog shit it was so bad 
Yeah. I'm so he sorry because like it, the story was stupid but enjoyable for so the most stupid. part. Uh, but like the movie looked so fucking good in non 3D. Like all the underwater scenes were gorgeous. Uh, and the underwater was better in 3D. For some reason, they didn't do it as much there. I guess they got tired of trying to <laughs> do everything 3D. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, like when, when the 3D wasn't acting up, it looked great. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. You know, like James Cameron did. Uh, God damn it. I'm giving him credit, but he he did it. He made a good Avatar film. Like, yeah. I expected surpri- this film to be absolute trash. Yeah. Uh, and I had fun. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like Oscar worthy, but like I had fun. I would rather watch a... Uh, truncated two hour cut of this than like most marvel movies yeah uh and that may mostly just be like a novelty of like oh my god there's something different in the movie theater uh but yeah it was to me okay hey nobody should ever make a three-hour movie except for peter jackson and he should he shouldn't do it three of your favorite movies are like three and a half hours long each those are the only movies that are allowed to be three (laughs) hours long i'm sorry uh no other movies peter jackson shouldn't have made a three-hour king kong movie either that was insane only (laughs) only lord of the rings i will watch it one day and report back but i can't imagine it's gonna be (laughs) i saw it in theaters at a birthday party when i was like interesting it scared me. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it frightened me. The monkey uh, was too big for too long. <laughs> it was the the like. All right, this is gonna sound bad, but like the the natives on the island were so creepy too. <laughs> they made them very scary. Uh, anyways, it's okay. This it's a movie, fictional island. No, yes, no culture is being represented by this movie as far as i remember i don't know i hope haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> anyways this movie should not have been three hours long that's insane and it was also like three different movies and like one of them was a stupid bad movie about uh some guy who's a bad dad uh and also his wife's there but not that much because she was busy filming seven guardians of the galaxy movies or whatever uh <laughs> And then the other, the next movie is a tech demo. Yeah, it's just, look just at a tech the, demo. It's just it didn't, that. there was a story, but it didn't matter. It's a, and it wasn't what the movie was it's about. It's a, it was, when you're, when you're, it's, a, you know, like those games that have like benchmarking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those. Yeah. It literally, yeah, it was like, look at what we could make the ocean look like. Yeah. <laughs> but then the, the third movie was like a pretty good action movie. For like an hour. All the whale stuff was excellent the whole time. I love the whale stuff. So you could have just had like a 20 minute whale tech demo and then the action movie. And it would have been like five times as good of a movie. Instead of having an additional hour and 45 minutes of bullshit. If you made it about (laughs) the whales learning to do uh, incredible violence to the uh, American imperialist space military, <laughs> then that would be lovely. But the, it ended up being some like, like they had all the parts of like uh, uh, Jake Sully is like, like Jake and his wife are like just so unimportant to the film, which yeah. is weird because they're like supposed to be the main characters. And like they, they're just like not present for like the middle hour of the film. And 
they tried to like give Jake an arc, but he just goes from uh, leading the resistance against the uh, American space military to uh, leading the resistance uh, once again, but yep. in yeah. the water. And I'm he like, just goes Why? in a circle. Yeah, he did. He it's learned so stupid. All, all that happened is uh, he he got his his son killed, and he's like, "Well, okay, I guess I'll <laughs> can we, can I guess I'll fight again." I don't. <laughs> can we also talk about the fact that like the entire water tribe is just the Maori people, but they I think that most of them are voiced by white people. Like, yeah, they sure are appropriating some cultures in this movie, aren't they? <laughs> sure are. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, like I think the majority of the cast is white for yeah, what is clearly supposed the... to be like either Native American esque or like I, I I don't know how like the the jungle tribe is definitely not supposed to be white. The water tribe is definitely not supposed to be white, yet they're all voiced by fucking yeah. white people. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, for, the sort of like Natiri. Natiri is is not, but everybody else is. Yeah, yeah it's just like the the inherent problem of Avatar as a concept is that it's an old white guy making a movie about uh, indigenous colonial issues, yeah. framed through blue cat people that he wants to <laughs> fuck, uh, and our our lens into their world is just a self insert white military guy whose whole thing is like look at me i am james cameron and i learned that colonialism is bad and now i'm better than all of you white people i am i am a native now i'm like no you're not james cameron that's not how any of this works you're not to not be james (laughs) you don't like you're i you're you're trying but you're not quite getting it it is interesting that it like yeah all the stuff it has to say about like uh colonialism and and such things is like uh very like politically good he did great great job on that right uh but it doesn't that's not enough for it to be like a good movie that's just like okay great like you know he's also like your your politics right your politics like there seem pretty good they're just like yeah there's still like a lot of weird stuff like 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 park said with like who is actually being cast in this thing Mm -hmm. uh and like they gave like some like i don't know why they decided to give all the navi people just like uh just like stock like human gender roles i don't know what's going on there yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it's like what are we doing with this like why well, would the navi have like this like whole like the exact same concept of gender as like humans i don't know it it and it like it comes up in the movie too, where like his he like shushes his wife and shit in front yeah, of does, like the their other. marriage seems pretty rough. Like he mansplains <gasps> a lot, and like even it's, at one point is like, "Please ignore my wife." Is it Navi explains like, now? Oh uh, but <laughs> yeah. also, I, I was wrong about one thing. The leader of the Water Tribe is voiced by a New Zealand actor, so they got they got one right. There you go. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs> They got one Maori guy in the movie about Maori people. Good, <laughs> good job, James. Yeah, but it's like you did it. Yeah, like uh, th- this old guy does have like weird baggage that he's bringing into yeah. like the movie. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, it, it is kind of cool that he just gets to like. What if we did the Titanic and the Abyss stuff again? <laughs> but yeah, this aliens. guy loves when boats sink. 
He loves it. And I love it too. Well, in movies. I don't like it when real boats sink. Yeah. That's very sad. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it does make for a successful action set piece. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that old old Jimmy's he's good at and he knows what he's doing. But he needs an editor. Yeah. Someone needs to rein this motherfucker in. I will say though he's too powerful for a guy like similarly just like unshackled by any other human being that could ever possibly tell him no. Like on a similar level to like George Lucas, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's keeping it much tighter than George did. Like he's, yep. you know, like I, that's it's working fair. out, right? Like I guess people I have like fans, like Avatar fans, are leaving this movie and being like great loved it thank you you know i i, I guess we'll see what happens when we get like the avatar prequels <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're just like on earth and jake is like just learning to be in the military or whatever <laughs> yeah. that's the thing is like i it's easier for me to forgive george now because i've seen how much worse it can get yeah you know that's true without him it, it did only get worse so yeah and, like, people are, are making good stuff with it now. Andor is good. Parts of Clone Wars are good. But Rise of Skywalker is so much worse than anything George Lucas ever made. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Huh. Well, I, yeah. I don't have I, anything I, else to say about Avatar. <laughs> uh, I think oh, the, this fits the, right in with the domino discussion of <laughs> how did we get from... Uh, how did we the hidden it? fortress to rise of skywalker and avatar yeah although i do i will say the next one sounds like it's going to be terrible because <laughs> there's supposed to be like this like fire nation yeah there's of a Navi fire tribe who are Navi. so it's so it sounds like all the like uh stuff that makes me feel like the, the movie is like uh coming from a good place where it's like anti-imperialist and all that it's gonna go right out the window right because it's just gonna be like two groups of navi fighting each other i don't know maybe the humans will be involved too but it doesn't sound great and also jake Sully and his family getting old we got to get rid of them who cares mm-hmm. we, we have to move yeah. on their stories I thought that's what they were doing the whole movie is about the kids yeah. Why is the closing monologue Jake Sully? He wasn't the main character of the movie. Yeah, it, yeah. It'd be different, I don't care about it'd him. It'd be different anymore. if Jake had like a uh, for- forward progress in this movie at all, but he's just right back oh. where he started before. And I'm like, this isn't a good sign. Yeah, I mean, we're clearly going to have a lot of uh, development. I, I, at least I hope we have some development with the like immaculate child who's like potentially yeah. just the embodiment of their god. Why is uh, there a yeah. Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus uh, Sigourney Weaver is uh, a wonderful addition. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. It's so dumb. It is, but it's not supposed to be. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. We have to stop. We have to stop. Yeah. Sorry. I have another 15 minutes about Spider. No. no. <laughs> We're not talking about the white kid with dreads. We're not, We're not going there. Spider. I liked him. Okay. If he had a different haircut, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be fine. <laughs> Anyways, that was our episode on the Hidden Fortress by Akira Kurosawa. Followed Thank by you. 20 minutes of Avatar. Yeah, yeah. A better movie than, than Avatar, I gotta say. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, new episodes every week. every week-ish. 
Uh, does anybody have anything they need to plug this time? No. Are you All looking right. for an IP summer associate? <laughs> Would you like an intern at your law firm? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of big profile lawyers listening to this. Yeah. Actually, I hire hope you're not part. listening to this. No. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Turn don't it listen off, to this before you Do not you hire go me. into the back catalog. We make fun of lawyers so much. <laughs> Do not watch the Paper Chase episode. Listen to the Paper Chase episode. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, next movie. Oh, yeah. Next movie. Uh, is yeah. it Park's pick? Do you have no, something? It's, pick. it's my pick. Oh, it's Will's pick? Okay. Yeah. What you got for me? So there is a movie that is not on any streaming service. Great. <laughs> and you have to literally either buy it or what I'm going to go do is go to uh, Videodrome in atlanta and pick it up because it is there apparently it's called walker uh it is about uh nicaragua and how uh, america ruined it uh <laughs> and uh it apparently like ruined that director's uh career you can't like it's really hard to like find anywhere uh if one of you snipes me and <laughs> rinse this movie before i can get to it i'm gonna be really mad i'm gonna have to like wrangle these two guys to come over to our my apartment and <laughs> watch it i Charlie, live in Charlie your lives here but uh park doesn't so it, you know my job is half done uh and i don't know if i can't find the movie then it'll be something else uh that that's it <laughs> hooray all right that's it this week enjoyed us next week i'm stealing an outro from another podcast by accident super all right bye <laughs> bye <laughs>